Welcome to Radio Rehab. As promised, we are dropping new episodes every Tuesday. And this Tuesday, we're going to be talking to my friend Derek, Derek W. I met Derek in treatment, and he's a great guy with a really stellar program of recovery. And I'd like you guys to hear from him. Let's start the conversation. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to the show, Derek. It's nice to see you again. Derek and I met in an anonymous place that rhymes with rehab. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad you agreed to come on the show because this is like our new season of shows um, after I relapsed and went back to treatment, you know, after I had a bunch of years. So um, we're rebooting and I think it's good to talk to people in early recovery. That's who I relate to right now, you know? <laughs> Me too. I don't, I've never really been one to experience long-term recovery, but I think I'm at a point now and, and um, I'll get into it now, like where I'm at, what I've been through to finally be able to get some, sustain some long-term recovery. Yeah. You're doing all the right things. I, yeah, I've been through it enough to know what the right things are to do. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah the willingness to kind of get through it. You know, I, I've failed enough times to learn from it and I'm glad that I've learned from it. And it's taken some humility, I think too, which I didn't think I needed more of, but right, I definitely did. Yeah. I felt beaten down this time. Like it's so yeah. hard to come back and identify as a newcomer again. It's like the worst. Definitely. Yeah. So there's a lot of like shame to like sift through and, get through before before I started to treat myself with like self-compassion I pray for that like every day still being in early recovery just because I'm just making progress is all I can do yeah me too like the first month or two I was still beating up on myself this time so yeah I think it's something that all addicts can relate to it's you know some of that self-sabotage or just you know being hard on ourselves Yeah. And I think it's also part of the whole like, you know, self-obsession that we all have where we think everything's about us and everybody's thinking about us when really they're out just living their life. Yeah, It's that there's that saying I'm learning a lot of good, fresh sayings. It's like I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. My favorite one someone told me a long time ago is I'm a piece of shit that the world revolves around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that one's good too. I like that. <laughs> well, let's let's go back to the beginning a little bit. So, tell me, um, like, where you're from? I guess I've never even asked you that. Like, you, I don't I, even know if you're from California. No, uh, uh-uh. I've been in California for the last like four years now, but I'm originally from uh, Northern Idaho. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. For yeah. Uh huh. Up in the. Close to Canada, nowhere near the potato farms. So that's what everybody kind of relates to Idaho. It's just like all those funny jokes like Utaho and they have <laughs> a lot of potatoes. And I'm like, I have no idea. I've never really seen a giant potato farm, but I guess they're out there. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. And that's so funny. That's yeah. like uh like if somebody's from Wisconsin being like, Oh, is there a lot of cheese? <laughs> yeah right yeah. but there's a lot of cheese at whole foods too so exactly yeah no but um shout out Coeur d'Alene that's where I'm from uh grew up on the river out there so I I grew up in a um pretty affluent household my parents um did pretty well for themselves um my dad still does um my mom quit her job to raise me and I have an identical twin brother so you? I do. Yeah. We don't really look identical right now, but gr- like, which is a trip because, you know, we'd get mistaken for all, all the time growing up. That's but, so um, funny. I always wanted a twin when I was little. Actually, I used to be in the supermarket with my mom and I would circle back around and see somebody that I'd already seen and tell them that I'm not Dana. I'm her twin. Because <laughs> I was a bored only child. Yeah, you're just like coming up with your own doppelgangers. And- yeah, <laughs> right. That's good. 
yeah the most of the time people would ask like did you pull any pranks on people and we did like a couple times but usually we didn't have to do anything you just stand next to people and their mind they look at you and do a double take and you can yeah. see the, the expression on their face of their mind exploding like, <laughs> what's happening yeah but anyway i um so my mom was raising us for the most part she quit her job and we grew up um I guess it's fair to say we grew up pretty privileged and, you know, nothing, nothing too traumatic growing up. Um, and then my, my mother ended up getting like, a, she became a pretty hardcore alcoholic towards the, like, as the years would go on, she got a gastric bypass. And I know if anybody else is watching, it's, that's been through that. That's like the big thing that they warn you against is, when you stop eating, you can start drinking and the, the way it like affects your body. Um, is gastric bypass, the weight loss surgery. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where oh, they basically okay. like sh shrink your stomach. I don't know the exact like science behind it, but I know that um, you just can't eat. Like right. you become ill if you try to fill up your stomach to the point like what that you used to you can eat only like real small portions and it's and then that will help you lose weight wow that's um, like naltrexone for an opiate addict yeah like, yeah <laughs> uh yeah because it does it like it's like it takes out the your ability to even eat whether you want to or not like you can you can eat but it's not you stay full you can't eat very large amounts whatsoever and um anyway but you can drink alcohol like crazy and it wow. goes right into your bloodstream you don't really get hangovers because um it's yeah it um it can be an it's one of the biggest things they warn you against is the like what alcohol how much you can consume and like the takes away some of the side effects but anyway that my mom probably was an alcoholic for a long time it runs in my family like i've done enough digging in treatment and over the years to know like i've been an addict since i was just like a kid probably yeah. uh looking back at like old behaviors and stuff like that um and the other things i did it wasn't just with drugs it was uh with um video games or like pretty much anything that i enjoy so um, yeah, I, I feel the same way i'll get strung out on anything i like right yeah <laughs> and um so my parents ended up getting divorced when i was 12 and they had a pretty nasty divorce um me and my twin were drugged through that um were they fighting over custody kind of thing yeah oh definitely because yeah. like my mom was just kind of like going off the rails, but she wanted custody. My dad was just trying to keep us safe. But in in retrospect, he kind of kept us like isolated and and, you know, out of fear, he became very controlling. Right. And he was kind of just a controlling person in general. Um, so I developed, you know. And it, that kind of changed me to where I'd like had people pleasing for both of them and. Um, you know, had some resentments towards my, my dad, and then just like took advantage of like my mom and her chaos. And I started doing, um, you know, all kinds of things that I considered escapisms there, like smoking pot and hanging out with my friends and playing video games all the time and, and manipulating any way I could just to have like a little bit of relief from the now chaos. Cause I, it was like a total, 360 from the way I had been living in just like a, a year. Did she um, pick up on that? Did your parents pick up on the fact that you were kind of acting out or did they think it was harmless? Well, yeah. Um, they, my, they wanted to know if we wanted to do like some therapy, like it was recommended, but we didn't really go through much therapy. We were already at that phase kind of where it was just like if like hey are you guys okay and we're like yeah just right oh. off the rip like yeah smile like we're good doing fine <laughs> yeah. you know and right. behind the like as long as you know in my head i'm just like yeah i just need to hang out with my friends and get some smoke some weed as soon as you're done talking to me that'd be <laughs> great you know 
<laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't care to talk about this anymore. Not with you. Like, yeah, we're, we're good, you know, until all of a sudden it was just like, you know, so it turns out, you know, my dad gets like an email or something from my professor, like you're failing and you're skipping classes. And I'm just like, oh, all of my lies and stuff come crashing down. Oh, which in turn, I just got better at, you know, like right. got better at lying and and cheating the system and manipulating my parents. Um, I know it's which, amazing how intelligent we get protecting the disease. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like super smooth. Uh huh. And um, and then it becomes very deep rooted, like, you know, and then and and be, and I also was developing like, you know, that self-obsession. And like the negative self-obsession, right? That was, as you know, was a part of me also that just continued to grow. Um, and I had no healthy outlets for it. In fact, my outlets were my addiction and instant gratification and that stuff just, just a cycle of like my own negative self-talk getting stronger and my addictions getting stronger. Yeah. And that and then I, yeah, I went to somehow same. I would manage to graduate high school and go to college with all of that <laughs> with me. And no wonder I spent a year in a fraternity and then was academically disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> I was an undecided major because I had no idea what I wanted, what was going on in my life anyway. So right. You just want to get away from home. Yeah. In hindsight, it all, it all checks out all of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So then I would, I, my mom had moved to California. She got sober at um, this place in San Juan Capistrano, which I ended up going to. It was really kind of a funny coincidence, but because um, my sister lives in San Diego, she just moved to Sacramento, but she'd been living in San Diego for a while. Um, so my mom was kind of moved away at this point, got, got sober, was trying to get her life on track, but um, did kind of develop some, um, I want to say it's like more like hypochondriac, where the amount of alcohol that she was drinking might have saturated her brain to the point where she got like some of the wet brain. Oh. But she had like viruses and stuff like that. Um, and um, that never really quite went away, uh, mm. which was really, which was really quite sad because, like, um, it would be difficult to talk to her about that. You know, like what, you know, not try and engage in it, but at the same time, I didn't want her to think she was going crazy. Right. Um, want to like let her let on that you knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think we tried to tell her before, but she was really good at manipulating people, too, to to agree with her. Right. Um, and uh, let's see, I ended up working for my dad for a while, dropped out of community college twice along the road. Um, let's see, I was about 19, 20. So over the course of like three years, I would drop out of community college twice, started doing harder drugs with my older brother because my older brother is um, is an addict also and uh, who had been struggling for a while before, you know, before it became really apparent to me that I was an addict and um, needed something now to like help me. And of course, I was in denial about that for a long time. Um, but it got, you know, and then my mom passed away when I was 21 and she, you know, basically she kind of, she basically killed herself with this, um, thinking that she had these parasites. She started to try and self-medicate and it was pretty nasty. Oh, she thought but, she had like dysentery yeah, like bugs in you kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, so that's what you meant by hypochondriac. Yeah, okay. that's kind of what I meant. I, I don't know if she, I don't think she was like classified schizophrenic or anything like that, but um, yeah. So that was kind of traumatic for me also, you know, at that time in my life when I was 21. Um, 
then my addiction would pretty much continue to get stronger from there with like like how you know the drugs that I was doing um and it would all like again like when I was in high school all of my manipulation tactics everything I did to kind of cover up and and get through would end up like coming to a halt you know just I couldn't manage it I couldn't keep it all going the whole facade and um I've been lucky enough to have the support of my dad like throughout the years when it comes to you know getting my life back on track and so he I kind of came clean to him and he you know was asked me do you want to go to treatment or do you want to live on the streets and I had enough brains to be like no I think I'll go to detox yeah yeah and my parents did that to me when I was a teenager they're like you go to juvenile hall or a nice treatment center and I was like god damn it yeah yeah I know that there are some people that can be pretty far into the disease or where they just like I'll live on the street you know screw you fuck fuck off so but I um yeah I never quite got to to that point so um I took the help I knew something had been wrong with me for a little while too and was just like yeah um but of course then I I wouldn't stay clean after that I'd I'd go to this like lockdown facility in Washington because this was before I moved to California, but um were they a treatment center or yeah, just yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But it was yeah, like you could only go outside to smoke cigarettes. So they let you it, smoke. Was yeah, it a medical detox? That, you know, huh? Was it a medical detox? Like did they yeah. give you something for the detox or were you just like on the floor? No, well oh, okay. Okay. I had no I had no idea what it was gonna be like though. So I just, you know, had told them like I was good for a while and there are other people around me that were like you can tell them you're not doing so hot and they'll like give you something. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, eventually, um, yeah, it was a medical detox though. And, um, they, they cook for you. I spent mm, three weeks there total, I think. And then my, my dad, since, you know, my older brother had been through treatment a few times, he knew right away i was like talking to him about this sober living that they had like this seems like a cool idea and i'd been feeling good i hadn't felt like clean like that for a long time yeah and uh he's like no i'm not we're not fucking around here you're gonna go do another 60 days straight somewhere else <laughs> right because he'd already been through it with your brother oh yeah so just yeah. like you've done three weeks like i'm just gonna send you somewhere for another two three months whatever yeah, my mom did that. My mom had already been through it with my dad because he was an addict too. And he had mm. been through it with himself. So they were doing the same kind of thing to me. Right. They're like, yeah. no, you're not getting comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, I think my dad was afraid also too. So it was just like, oh, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Just um, most of the time in my life, I think he's been very controlling, but out of like fear for my well being. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it was it's been easy to to go through like and and forgive the people in my life that I've had resentments for um by taking like looks at what I was doing and where other people were coming from. And particularly with my dad, he's always meant well um and and has always helped me out a lot. It's just kind of been like the forgiveness of myself to hold on to, you know. Right. And I agree with you about the other people thing, because there's so many people like, you know, I would hold resentments against because they tried to cut my using or my drinking short, you know, and it took me a long time to be like, oh, wow, they just didn't want me to die. (laughs) And I'm like, they want me to hate life and live in pain. And, you know, all the stuff we tell ourselves. Yeah. They're like, why wouldn't they just talk to me? Like, I'm (laughs) so good at so good at talking. Like. (laughs) They just don't understand when really it's just like I'm hoping to manipulate them out of some consequences. Exactly. Like I'm so good at explaining. Yeah. This is like, yeah. Why wouldn't you let me explain myself? There's all kinds of really justified reasons behind all of this. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, so then I went to the same place in San Juan Capistrano where my mother went and got sober. So that was kind of an interesting experience. And I think subconsciously, I wasn't quite ready to be done, though. Um, so some sort of the reservations were still there. 
like things right, that like some part out. of you felt like it hadn't gotten that bad yeah and, i hadn't experienced yeah. enough and there was still so many more things i wanted to try and right. then and in my relapses i realized it doesn't matter what i'd like to try the way it goes down is you know very very systematic like yeah. i try one i do one thing because it's easy to get and then the, the next thing i like and then the next thing i know i'm back to what got me in treatment right and it would happen almost just like that regardless of what it was i thought would be fun um right. those things are just kind of like what they call the romantic fantasies of of you know where using could could seem really great you know yeah or um, like you can conquer it or you can handle it you know yeah. you can make it your friend i mean yeah, we all exactly. do that yeah <laughs> we right. do it otherwise yeah it's like, but but what if this happened? That you know, can you say no to that? Right. <laughs> what if yeah. someone offered me like I didn't have to pay rent, a whole house, and then a room full of it? Then, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So then I would, I would go to another inpatient place, and that was when, like my first experience of like California treatment center. I was like. Oh, this is kind of what I thought it was going to be like. This is nice. Right. <laughs> I've only been to them in California. So it's funny. I hear about places in other states and I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard about like state run facilities, too, yeah. that are just like, whoa, even in California. But my only experience that's somewhere close to that was this place I went to in, in Washington, which still probably wasn't as bad as some places. But um yeah, in I'd stayed in San Juan Capistrano in well, I guess it was residential. I don't know if they were doing that. You know, every once in a while, some treatment centers would do some shady things. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, they kept they somehow got my insurance to keep me there for like two months. Wow! In residential, which has never happened since with whatever insurance I right have. Yeah. yeah and for everybody listening who doesn't know what that means it's like residential is the detox part where you don't have yeah. to do anything you don't go anywhere on your own right. yeah the levels of it usually go detox residential intensive outpatient outpatient and then you're sober living where you just rent and they drug test you and right yeah so um place kept you in there for a couple months yeah to the point where when i moved to sober living like i had to pay out of pocket to do any outpatient classes you know um insurance was so, done and they're like yeah. no he was it done a long time ago it out. yeah i wonder if they like said that i relapsed or something like that but who so, knows what they do to get their uh, money I don't know if it's a good thing or or a bad thing that now I have the experience to know what to look out for. If I, you know, like this last time I was in treatment, um, I knew everything that was going on. The system that they do all of our like information on and like the way insurance works. Yeah, <laughs> I, know I got that towards the I, after I had been there a minute, I kind of got like that, too. I'm like, oh, OK. So in order to be allowed to stay here, I have to tell you when you ask me how I'm doing on a scale of one to ten. Am I oh, sad? Right. I have to say, oh, it's a 15. Yeah. Never been sadder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to get yeah. them serious. Like this close to suicide watch. You exactly. should really keep an eye out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way insurance will pay for it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, some of it could be kind of shady, but I've been to some places like that aren't good in other places like where we just came from really really good and yeah. i've been to places that are like 12 step based and then places that aren't and it's like over my journey the places that were 12 step based were probably like could have been really good for me uh -huh. but i was just so resistant to being a part of like a 12-step program i just wasn't right. like uh, you know i didn't want to be a part of it for some reason because when you see it, it's like, that's something I have to do for the rest of my life. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't seem like something you're, at first, it doesn't seem like something you're doing for yourself. It seems like something you're being forced to do. Oh, yeah. Because it is like supposed to be like, it's better when it seems more appealing rather than when it's like trying to get people to do it, you know, against their right. will. Because um, that's one of, like, you got to, I, I had to be willing to do it 
and I had to be humble enough to to try it out, you know, but but then there was also like I liked it when I started to enjoy it, then I wanted to keep coming back, you know, for whatever reason it was, the people there or the things I was getting out of it, the feeling of being a part of and like like actually like being okay with that and enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than like I used to just feel like more like an outcast, but that was probably like more of me than the, than the people there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we separate ourselves. It's like, especially like when you're young, you know, like I was like 16 in my first treatment center and I remember being like, these people are oh, wow. old. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah. So like in this place where, where we just went, like it being like a holistic style place, you know, right. um, that was kind of like where, and I ended up making like the 12, the 12 step program was something I talked about all the time and how it was really going well for me. Um, whereas like the other 12 step places, I was the only pl- person talking about how I'm not, not even on step one. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And the first time I went to, it's like, I was only an addict. I'd never drank, like I'd never been drunk. So I'm like, why am I going to call myself an alcoholic? Right. Or yeah, well, that, that that's true. like, I'm not, Emma, I like these things, but you know, but alcohol has never been a problem or like, maybe I could smoke a little weed. I had to go through all of that too. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to tell people, you know, that those things are, will inevitably lead you back. Um, a lot of times people got to figure out for themselves. And I was lucky enough to not go down, downhill in trying I had to, to try out. every avenue and prove yeah. it to myself. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. And um yeah, so so then you know, I I'm at a place now where I just identify as an alcoholic or an addict. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me anymore. Um but uh yeah, it's been about four years. I would I would end up living with my sister and getting like comfortable. Um she was really there for me and kept me accountable, um, which I'm like super grateful for just because I wasn't really ready to, to really work a good program. So it was kind of still a, a safe-ish place for me right. to, do, to, to like kind of figure out, you know, where I was at, which unfortunately well, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Um, I'm trying to, I try to be grateful for it now just because like, I really pay attention to my higher power. Like I'm trying to really get spiritual and like the path that I've been on is here right now for a reason, like moment to moment, like there's reasons, you know, I try to make sense and meaning out of like the things I've been through Right now where I'm willing now and I'm taking suggestions from the people from, from people that, that care and know more than I do. And uh, it's really been great. And that's the willingness component. Like you have to oh, yeah. be willing. Like, and sometimes it's just, you know, you're begging to be able to be willing to be willing. Yeah. Like, sometimes, some days it's just that, like, let me accept help if it comes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you a little bit of this because I, I think about it a lot um, when I try to think of like signs, you know, the God shots they talk about, you know, yeah. if you pay attention. Um, in going to Cliffside, or am I allowed to say that? Well, yeah, no, totally, <laughs> totally. I mean, um, shout out to Cliffside because yeah, it's like, like one of the best ones. Yeah. And that's where we met. Uh-huh. I, I loved that place. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Um, I'm really glad that we're like both part of the alumni and get, we'll get to hang out often. I know um, that's, that's real. What's really awesome about Clipside is the community. Like it keeps, yeah. it gives you a community to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't it's have a community, at least you can have, have that for the meantime, yeah. you know, it's like an extended uh, family. Exactly. Yeah. Which I've, which I think I've always been searching for. Like and my, my family was always kind of like, the Brady Bunch, like my parents had been divorced, you know, and I, my half, I had a half sister, my sister's my half sister, my older brothers are my half brothers from my father's oh. side and like my mother's side, my twin brothers, my identical twin. So I like, 
was weird. It had this meshed family, but I also had like an identical twin that was like our identity was like together, wasn't super independent. I don't know. That's, that's so a, crazy. I get I how know. it's like the Brady Bunch now. I'm, I I thought you just meant like idyllic in seventies, like. <laughs> but <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a um combined family. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, so and then I you know I gravitated towards like a group of friends you know even growing up even even having an identical twin brother we like to have our friends around and then I went to a a fraternity for a while and that didn't work out and uh then I'd be in these different treatment centers and making friends there and then everybody would kind of part ways like like can happen sometimes and uh but now I'm a part of something that like I finally accepted like this is a great Thing for me to be a part of you know what happened right before you decided to go to cliffside like what was the catalyst the oh. moment in the end like you know where you were like i'm done uh i was working for doordash which was a terrible idea because i had no self-discipline yeah. uh, so i'd make i'd make some money one week and then not work for another entire week and uh, so like my, my life was just still unmanageable. Like yeah. I was living with my sister again, which, um, you know, I'd been, I'd been, she knew that I had relapsed and that was really putting strain on like our relationship. And this has been like the second time I'd really, you know, taken advantage of like her hospitality and also was, you know, putting strain like on, on her, like, um she was there to like look out for me so i knew i could feel that and i was lying to my dad about how how i was doing he was helping me out because my idea had been to go back to school again and i really wanted to finish my degree and uh i still had no idea what i wanted my degree to be in so right. um but uh covid was going on and like they weren't letting students back on campus and you know i so my life was still just like falling apart i had like seven months clean and then had relapsed and um yeah i just wasn't going to meetings anymore or anything i got some stimulus check money and then all of that was gone and uh and i was about to go through like a really intense detox like i could feel it coming um I'd kind of just run myself down to the point where it was like, oh, we're at the end of the road now. Like, um, and it kind of was interesting, like that it all kind of at that same day where it was like, this is it. It's I've run myself down. I've run out of everything I can use to try and, you know, keep a new facade going. Um, all rivers had run dry. And then my dad called me up because I know, I know what's been going on, you know, and yeah. um, I kind of just like I, I broke, you know, that that facade. I just was like, yeah, it's it was kind of like when I first came clean to him, you know, for like four or five years ago. And um, yeah, and he just like, you know, if, are you do you want some help, which I thought was great because it was interesting. I thought he was going to be so mad at me. You know, I come up with this idea in my head, like like everybody's going to be so angry and hate me and what have I done again? But he was very compassionate that he would, that he would help me if I would get help again. And I was like, yeah, I think I've been ready to ask for some help. I just haven't known how to go about it. I've been scared right. and ashamed. And, and there's also your disease stopping you because your disease oh, yeah. will keep you sick. Yeah. So anything you can do to stay sick, it's going to tell you is the right thing to do. Yeah, it's going to remind me like we got a few more bucks. We got a few more days. We're exactly. going to be, yeah. exactly. It hasn't gotten that bad yet. Yeah. Like you can put in a little work here and there. Like, like I'm actually going to do that, you know, yeah, exactly. keep it going. But um, yeah, so it kind of can't. Yeah, I just reached out to everybody that I that I knew over the years to try and see where I could get some help. I was like extreme, like right after he said he would help me, I was like, okay, I'm going to look into it. I'm, I'm t I was tired too, tired of, you know, when I got to Cliffside and, um, 
first started to open up about like what because you know i've been to treatment enough to where they're like what are you gonna do differently this time yeah this is i I, so that's why i think i'm doing so well is because i heard that question one more time and was like i don't want to answer this question ever again you know i'm gonna I'm going to do all of it <laughs> for me after so many relapses, it was the same thing. And the only reason this time when they asked me, they're like, what's different this time? And I was like, I don't know. And <laughs> right. they were like, you know what? That's a good place to start. Cause you admitted you don't know. And you didn't make some shit up. Yeah. That's yeah. That is true. Yeah. Very, very open and honest to just be like, I, I don't know. That's why I'm here. I'm need, I need some help. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. My best thinking had got me back to treatment again. Yeah. You know? And so, and it came to a point where um, I was talking to my sister when I got my phone back and she <laughs> said, again, I think you, I think you should start going to meetings, 12 step meetings for like a whole year. And I still felt that resistance. I was like, you know, oh, I was sure. Right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> trying to come up with that's a lot yeah i was trying to come up with the most like nonchalant like way to say yes without committing you know that's kind of my mo it's just like yeah sure we'll see maybe whatever i can find one that night i don't know (laughs) yeah that's a long way down the road but i think i'll go to one maybe now we'll see yeah yeah and it's also what they call like the gift of desperation you know when we get sick of it and we're sick of running we're just worn out and can't yeah. do it anymore uh-huh and so even like as as resistant as i had been i just kind of was like okay i think i'll i think i'll i'll do that you know um i was worried though because like sometimes i'll be desperate to go to treatment and then i'll detox and start doing well and that desperation's kind of gone Right. Before I start going to meetings, you know, then then it's gone. Like I was desperate for help, but it was like I'd get it, get the help and treatment, you know. Yeah. And then not continue it on the outside. Yeah. I got to like hold on to that willingness, you know, for for some time. Um, Because there's a lot of things you're doing here that require willingness. Like you went from residential to sober living. That was kind of a residential sober living because we were doing, you know, IOP classes. And then now you're in an actual sober living and just working and not doing the um, outpatient anymore. Yeah. Because my, they, yeah, my deductible was outlandish. So I was like, how much is rent? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'm at a place too now where I'm like trying to fix my relationships um, with the people that have been close to me and the people like, that I've really done wrong, like over the years. And, and, uh, and a lot of it's with my dad. He's like my main financial supporter, me and my story. I've never been able to figure out how to be an independent and like financially stable individual. Right. So I'm trying to work on things slowly to where I, I won't need to like, my dad helps me out right now, but I don't want to manipulate him in any way to, or take advantage of his support anymore. So, um, that shows growth on its own. Like that's yeah. change. Cause that's not how addicts think it's like, no, how can I get mine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> you know, he's doing well enough. He can pay for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> his back. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, um, yeah, I, wanted to save him some money on like, cause he pays for my insurance too right now. So I wasn't going to ask him to, to take care of all that stuff. He's already taken care of so much for me. Um, trying to figure out ways where I can, I can continue to grow. Right. But yeah, so I did, I stayed four months, I think at Cliffside total. Wow. And I had got a job and you know, people around me suggested, like, I didn't even know if I was going to stay there. Like, I thought, I thought it was going to be too much to stay in their sober living to ask my dad for. Right. There was, there was again, like my, my higher powers, like, I was like, I'm doing the right things. Let's see if like, 
if I can just keep it going because I got a temporary sponsor and it was only temporary because somebody suggested like do it doesn't matter if you're gonna have to get another one get another you know get one now and I said okay I'll I'll do that I'll keep going to the meeting so I had a temporary sponsor and then I said like can you guys like ask my dad like if if he'll work with you guys to stay to keep me to stay here because I'm like I'm on a good path and they did so then I then I stayed at Cliffside for another four months and then then I got a started it was time to start working on a resume I was real nervous about that because I had no idea what a resume was supposed to look like or or in fact like what mine was gonna look like because right. <laughs> <laughs> I only have, I've been trying to be a student for a long time and and only ever worked like really for my dad and I never really needed a resume for that but anyway I didn't even need a resume for the job I got now because well, because you were it. going to the, the fitness place already. So it's yeah. like they knew you, they liked you. It's like uh-huh. you know how you are. Yeah, they knew the they knew the the trainer that would come up to the house and he vouched for me, which I thought was really cool. Like I must be doing something right, you know, and, and growing and doing better. If and then they for them to trust me and that that went a long way with me too. Like I really have tried hard to be a valuable member of the the team there at the gym. So I got that, I got that job, which I thought was like another God shot and just things continued to progress from there. And now I, now I'm in an all men's sober living, which is kind of like being in a fraternity, except for everybody's trying not to get fucked up. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it, it is kind of a fraternity, but it's like an opposite fraternity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's all the same shenanigans, you know, it's just a bunch of young dudes in early recovery. And right. you know, most of, most of these guys are good guys, but you know, they're hooligans. But yeah, like we're talking <laughs> about, it's literally like a reality show. I yeah. think if it weren't so, you know, breaking of the anonymity part i think that would be the greatest reality show but i think there's no way reality tv could do that was still keeping the anonymous part anonymous oh yeah i mean like because because we've done some crazy stuff you know so the yeah we'll be getting like extradited and stuff from these places Yeah, no, I've seen that happen in sober living. Like the cops come and take somebody because the person was only in there to hide out. It's like, oh yeah, but then they're like there to hide and they're Snapchatting it, putting it on Instagram. Like exactly. Like what do you expect? Exactly. Like, you're breaking your own, you know, anonymity and HIPAA violation or whatever. Right. Yeah, they'll find you if you keep posting it. Yeah. So now that you, what are you like? Six months? Almost the twenty third. I'll have six months. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's huge. I'm pretty stoked about it. That's what I said. That's half a year. That's sweet. It's like almost there. You know, for some reason, I I look at a year really meaning something. I don't know. It does, especially the first year. It really does. Like, I put in a lot of work to do everything that my sponsor suggested to me because he keeps reiterating to me that like this first year is crucial like yeah do you know it's where you like lay the the groundwork yeah so i'm really trying to lay that foundation of how i'm going to carry on for years to come um you're working you're working the program that's right yeah yeah i'm making connections you know and i really am starting to enjoy like you know and even like our friendship and the, the other friendships that i've had like it really is making my life that much more full which I think yeah. I didn't realize like, I, you know, I'm, I have available to me what I've been looking for for a long time. Right. And it's like, yeah, we have our own little community. And I really feel like those of us, because we weren't forced to go to uh, outside meetings when we were in there. So I feel yeah. like those of us who actually chose to do that anyway, are the ones who stayed sober and, you know, we remain friends and stuff like that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, because that willingness goes a long way, you know? Yeah. And it's stay, a great you know? community. Yeah, it is. I um yeah, we're just messaging somebody else from from a 12-step based treatment that she was like the uh 
admissions gal and asking me how I'm doing. And I told her like, I'm really involved in my program and it's going well. <laughs> she was like, I'm glad you finally gave it a try. Right. <laughs> I know. I thought back on how they were just like, yeah, hey, you want to go to this meeting? No pressure. And I'm just like, no. Right. <laughs> yep. That explains why, you know, I only, yeah, got six months now. Good. Well, that's, that's amazing. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength and hope with us. Absolutely. Sharing your recovery with us. Yeah. Um, I was really looking forward to having you on the show and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Thank you for having me on too. Uh, Never did anything like this before. So I was really, really excited. Just added (laughs) to my life and my recovery. So thank you. You know, good. Yeah. Yeah, it does to mine too. It does to mine too. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm so I've got the job at the gym. I'm, I'm actually started on the next thing to become a personal trainer. I've decided to just go down that route because like health is a good part of my program. So that's kind of the next goal. I'm going to be in sober living for a while and just keep doing my, keep doing my step work, going to meetings, growing my community and trying to see how full of a life I can get clean and sober, you know? Right. Yes. Mazel tov to you. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) So we finally had a guest. We're we're officially (laughs) back. (laughs) Derek was great. I loved him. And he was the perfect first guest for us to have a conversation with. And, um... But um, you gave me a little bit of a fright that morning. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, my God. Of all the days for that to happen. Oh, my God. So That's for that. everybody out there listening, um, the morning of our recording with Derek, we had a 1030. Oh, and don't mind the noise out back here. I'm in the middle of a snowstorm. And- <laughs> yeah, producer Shar is literally sitting on a deck in Yosemite where it's snowing. <laughs> Uh, with snow on my shoulders but uh yeah no with uh Derek I we had a call scheduled at 10 30 I text you like about maybe 10 15 or 10 a little bit before your our appointment and I'm like hey I'm about to log in pretty soon and crickets from you and then I like text you a couple times nothing and then I call you nothing and I was just like Good thing I said we had to bank recordings <laughs> before we release one. Yeah, that's the worst feeling, I think, for any person in recovery. Because, you know, back when we were drinking, we always overslept and missed things and forgot things. And there was always some crazy excuse. So when it happens when you're sober, it really feels like shit. Because you're like, oh, my God, that's loaded behavior. <laughs> yeah, you called me and then uh, Derek was already in the room. And I'm like, oh, man. What do you do? Uh, and you're like, I'm going to call him. Give me 10 minutes. I'm going to wake up. And then we're, and I'm like, oh, you're killing me. You're killing me, small. <laughs> yeah. And then I called Derek and he was like, no, it's, I mean, he's the most laid back, nice guy. He was like, no, it's totally fine. Do you, are you sure you want to do it today? And I'm like, yes. Like, I'm definitely, I definitely never want to cancel anything when I'm sober. I think what was nice is we're, we're meeting new people that you wouldn't normally come in contact with. You're, regular circle of sobriety and our past guests are kind of our age, maybe older with a lot more time. And you, you know, through your current round of treatment, you totally have like new friends and new people that we can, um, that we can record with, you know? Yeah. And it's been really good for me because like, just to have those people in my life, like we keep each other accountable, like we go to meetings there is the alumni meeting for Cliffside that we that we all attend and meet back up at whenever like and any of us who didn't live in L.A. Um, come back and visit or something. We like get together and it's just we have this bond. It's really, really cool because I've never had that after certain treatment centers. Thanks to everybody that's been very supportive of uh, welcoming uh, Radio Rehab back. Um, yeah. The letters we, have been amazing. Before we wrap things up for today, we got a couple of really good emails um, that we just wanted to, you know, we won't read everything and we don't want to, you know, break anybody's anonymity, 
<laughs> for uh, being uh, for for sending us an email. But thank you, and please keep sending them to us. But um, we wanted to thank Stephanie for uh, writing in to us, and I'll say it real quick here. I've been binging the shit out of your show. I, I just finished and started tripping. Where the F is Dana? Then I listened to your teaser and tomorrow. And she was so excited. And uh, she got sober two and a half years ago. Uh, she uh, loved listening. And then now she's excited to have us back. And then um, this one, I'm like, this one, I'm sure almost made you cry. Yeah, it did. Um, from, from Barb. Who um who's been sober for four and a half years and uh has been listening to uh, the podcast since uh, her first day of sobriety and um she said that we were one of the tools in her toolbox yeah I like I could go on and on I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to give away too much and give away what she was sharing with us but we just want to thank both uh, Barb and Steph for emailing us and uh letting us know that um there's actually a couple of people out there that are actually listening <laughs> yeah I know it's so weird it's like whether it's you know actual radio or a podcast I always feel like I'm talking to myself you know and then I'll get like a text or an email. I'm like, oh, there are people out there. <laughs> oh, I do that all the time. I think that nobody's listening and then something happens. And then I'm like, oh, somebody was actually paying attention to something I said. <laughs> or like, I'll be, I'll be around somebody who I don't even really know that well. And they'll know something about me. And I'll be like, how'd you know that? And they're like, oh, I listened to your podcast. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Radio rehab at go to productions.com. That's G O dash T O productions.com. And we love getting email and you can text us uh, even when we're not in studio. 415-496-9511. So yeah, you can send us a text or um, an email and, you know, leave us a voicemail. Yeah. You can leave us a voicemail too. And if you or someone, you know, want to be a guest on the show, let us know that too. So and we'll be back next week with, uh, with Matt. Yes, next week, our guest will be Matt S. And thank you for listening to Derek and our weekly deuce. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're kicking the rust off, but we're, we're coming at you every week, uh, just like uh, we had planned. And so we're really excited about that. So thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, thank you so much. Keep coming back. <laughs>